Um, good evening, everyone. Welcome to, uh, again, if you're new, if you're visiting, my name is Matt. Um, I'm the associate vicar here. It's wonderful to see you, especially if you're new, uh, or if you're visiting, or if you're just checking out churches and new to Bristol. Uh, it's great to have you here tonight. Um, I don't know about you, do, do you have the sort of September feeling in your bones, that sort of like back-to-school vibes in your bones, you have that? But this morning we had loads of parents here who've obviously uh, gone through school holidays, and some of them have been... Uh, trying to work out if they're excited about going back to school because their kids are going back to school or excited or daunted to go back to work. I don't know how you're feeling about uh, September, but um, whenever I get around to September, I think about the, these two things that my mum used to say to me. She used to say, um, uh, shoes, polish your shoes, which is like, get your shoes ready for school. Uh, sharpen your pencils, which is like, get your pencil case ready and sharpen them, and then sort of get out the door, which is go to school. Um, and I don't know if you have that sort of like start of September feeling, um, but this term, this September, um, we thought we would kick off this new term and September with a four-week series on why church. We thought we'd like look at uh, what it is we do when we gather here in the building on a Sunday. Uh, and you might have wondered why you're here. You might wonder, uh, what do I do on a Sunday? You might have asked that question, uh, what am I doing here? Are you asking that question uh, now? I don't know. But um, I wonder whether you um, have been part of church all your life. Maybe some of you have grown up in church. Maybe some of you have been brought along to church throughout your childhood years. And church has always been a part of your life. Maybe you're a little bit different. Maybe you're brand new to church. You've never been to church before. Church is quite a new thing for you over the last few weeks or months, and you're trying to work it all out. You're trying to learn about what it is. You're trying to find out how to get stuck in. You're a bit unsure about why we do certain things and, and what that means and what this means. Or maybe you're in this camp. If you're really honest with yourself, um, you've spent sort of years of your life dipping in and out of church. Maybe you think, oh, I've tried church for a little bit. Oh, I'm not quite clicking with it. I'll go away and come back again. And you sort of dip in and out of church. And you found yourself over the years, sort of maybe moving between churches or going between towns and cities where you are, dipping in and out of church and always sort of staying at the surface level of church. Never really connecting, never really getting deeper into your life in faith. Or maybe um, you are here and you've come back to church, maybe after a long, long time away. Maybe you've, um, for some reason, you left church a long time ago and you thought, I'm, I'm never going to go back. That's happened. I could never possibly get back. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I'm, yeah, that's me. I haven't been here for a long time, for years and years maybe. Maybe you've been um, burnt out by previous churches or hurt in previous churches for some reason. Well, over the last five years that we've been doing St. Nick's here in this building, um, I've met and spoken to people in all of those camps that come here. For some reason, uh, whatever it may be, they've found themselves in one of those four or five categories. And you might resonate with some of those things that I've just said. But the first thing I say, I want to say before I say anything tonight, is this. If you're in any of those categories, whether it's you've come back after a long time, whether you've been hurt and you're coming back, I want you to know tonight that you are so welcome here. You are so welcome here. If you felt unwelcome in another church, my heart and our heart at Synex is that you feel welcome, welcomed in this place. And it's great that you're here. It is great that you're here. So this whole series 
over the next four weeks, we're going to ask and hopefully answer some of these questions. Why do we gather on a Sunday? Why do we gather midweek in hubs and homes? What happens when all of you lot as individuals come together in this building on a Sunday? What happens? What is so unique about this gathering of people? What is so powerful about our gatherings? And then this, why should we continue to gather 2,000 years on from the birth of the church, we're still gathering. Why should we keep going and going and going? So today, tonight, I've called this talk, this is part one of two. Uh, tonight, I've called my talk, Celebration in the City. Celebration in the City. And we're looking tonight at the purpose of gathering here in the city on a Sunday. Next week, we're going to look at uh, connection in the community you see my little, uh, two little things? So this week, we're looking at celebration. I love uh, alliteration. Um, celebration in the city tonight. And um, we're going to look at this passage from uh, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, which provides us with a bit of a reminder on why we gather each Sunday. So shall we dive in to Ephesians chapter 2? You might want to grab your Bibles or your phones. or mm, It's going to come up on the screen. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 11, I'm going to read from verse 11 to verse 22. It says this, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Amen. Amen. What a passage. So before we dive into uh, unpacking some of that, I wonder what you think of when you hear the word church. What do you think of when you hear the word church? And maybe more than that, what do you look forward to when we gather here in the building on a Sunday? 
Now, I, um, I asked this question this week on a, one of those Instagram poll things that I've never, ever done, but thought I would try it. Um, just to ask my few followers who, what they thought of uh, when they think about Sunday gathering, what they look forward to. Um, and people, well, people who follow me on Instagram uh, said this. So, so it's a sort of, you know, limited poll. Um, but I, sa- I said on this poll, I said, um, if you go to church, so I sort of you know, didn't assume that all my followers go to church, so I don't know. If you go to church, uh, what was the question? If you go to church, what do you look forward to the most at Sunday gatherings, okay? Um, and the people that follow me who chose to do this poll <laughs> said this. Um, Time to pray. Someone said time to pray. Brilliant. Someone said worship with a sort of worship emoji hand thing. Yeah, love that. Um, getting a dose of the good stuff was, was one of the answers. Uh, this is inverted commas, uh, which was Bible teaching, friends, and coffee. Thought fair enough. I agree with all those. Um, someone else said sitting with my husband for an undisturbed hour while our kids are in group, which, which is sort of like bit of Jesus, bit of childcare at the same time. It's sort of, it's like, yeah, so that was someone else's answer. Um, someone said, worshipping with my church family. Love that, love that. Seeing friends that feel like family. I thought that was good. That touched me in my heart. It was lovely. I love that one. Um, someone else said, the people, all in caps, which felt like they were sort of shouting at me. It's like, the people. Um, great. I'm not going to name any names, by the way. So if you did answer this, um, don't worry. Uh, someone else said, quality time with Jesus. Um, And the last person said, pasties, which um, they then followed up with a very quick message after saying, sorry, I meant pastries. (laughs) Bit of a typo. And then they said after that, uh, when we eat together afterwards, and then the fourth one was generally food. So the food was important to that person when we gather at church. Now, I'm sure um, you might connect with um, some of those, maybe pasties, maybe other ones. Um, But today, I would like to acknowledge that as well as um, some of that great stuff, worshipping with our friends, uh, connecting with God through Bible teaching, I'd also like to acknowledge that for many people, church um, can be a difficult place. It can be a hard place for us to come. It can, be, it can stir up difficult thoughts and feelings for us. Maybe it stirs up in you a bit of a comparison game when you th- look at someone else and think, I wish I was like that person, or I wish I had what that person had, or I wish my life was a bit different. And for some of you, it might, might be hard to be in this place, maybe because of past hurts, maybe because of uh, experiences that you've had in church. And there are three... Um, sort of reasons, I think, that we can feel negative towards church that I'd love to address tonight in this passage. Firstly, that um, you might look at the church and say, oh, the church is, is brilliant, but it, it's divided. It's, it doesn't know what it's about. It's lost its identity. The church is just divided. And we look, if we look at church history, about massive divisions about theology and belief and practice. Throughout its history, the church has had moments of division. And even today, the church is uh, undecided on certain things. It's divided over certain theologies and practices. Division has been a part of church for its 2,000-year history. So you might think the church is divided, and you would be right. But I've got news ahead for you. Secondly, you might think the church is full of um, egos. The church elevates people into celebrity-like status. And then from that, we sort of elevate individuals in the church to a point where um, they've been elevated so much that there's scandal. There's um, problems in people's lifestyle. People abuse power. People um, bully others. 
And we've seen uh, both around the world and more recently in the UK examples of that where people have been elevated, egos have been built up, and almost the higher we build people up, the further they fall. And it's deeply sad and deeply damaging. So you might think the church is full of people who are self-centered or people who have been raised up, and you may well be right. Thirdly, um, the church is all about sort of just looking after old dusty buildings, just sort of preserving the history of it and preserving the, the museums of, of the past. And you may well be right with that as well. But I would love to address these three things tonight, if any of those resonate with you. Finally, just on on that, I hear the line quite a lot. I love Jesus, I just don't love the church. Have you heard that? People say that. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you've heard that said to you. Well, my prayer tonight is that both this week and over the next few weeks, that God, by his spirit, would give you, if you're in that place, like a fresh revelation of his church, the beauty and the power and the potential of the church of God. What the Bible calls, the, the, the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. We, his people, the bride that Jesus loves. So I've called this talk the celebration in the city. Why? Because in this passage in the first century uh, Middle East, the people of God had this understanding, this cultural understanding of gathering in the city to celebrate. We'll explain, explore more of this later, but um, we're, not in a, we're not in a temple. But the people of the first century um, Jews would know what it was to gather in Jerusalem in the temple. And as we gather in this place on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day, each and every week, we gather to remember the risen Christ. From Easter Sunday, each week, to say, Jesus is alive. My sins are forgiven. I am free and forgiven and loved. Each week we do that to remember that we're an Easter people, a resurrection people. And my prayer is that we would have that um, vision restored to us at this time. So let's dive into Ephesians then. Um, My first point, why a celebration in the city? Why do the people of God um, in this passage have a reason to celebrate? It's because they are united and not divided. It says in verse 14, this he uh, because uh, sorry he has made us one we are united and not divided really interestingly if you look at Ephesus the city that uh, Paul wrote this message to it's very similar to the city of Bristol Ephesus was a port about three miles inland from the Mediterranean it had its uh, foundations built on commerce and trade and export and import It had its sort of uh, little channel that went out to the Aegean Sea. And it was a gathering of people from the Roman and Grecian worlds at that time. It was a sort of melting pot, a mixing pot of people and cultures and lifestyles. And then you look at Bristol. Bristol's history, three miles from the Atlantic, uh, known as a port, known as a place of export and import and trade and commerce. And Bristol remains a place where people from all over the world, different cultures, different nationalities, different ethnicities, different states of education, rich and poor, young and old, from around the world, gather in a city like Bristol. So the parallels, I think, are really interesting. And Paul was writing to a divided church to say, you are one in Christ. You are united because of Jesus. 
not to focus on uh, your differences, but to say you are one in Christ because of what he has done. And I think if Paul was writing a little book to us in Bristol in the 21st century, he would say, you are one. Don't focus on your divisions. You are united in Christ. The division that Paul is writing uh, to is the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews being the holy, the chosen people of God. The descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes that we see in the Old Testament through the nation of Israel. And then the Gentiles, on the other hand, were the people who weren't Jews. They were the unholy people. They were anyone who was not a Jew who might worship other gods. And at the time at the birth of the church, uh, when this book was written around 60 AD, so sort of 30 years after Jesus had uh, risen from the dead and left his disciples and birthed the church, there was still deep division about who was in and who was out, who was chosen and who could never be chosen and never be included. And the Jews still had immense, immense contempt and hatred for those who were not God's people, the Gentiles. And the attitudes were extreme. I mean extreme. I'll give you a couple, a couple of examples. Such was the strength of their hatred that the Jews had for the Gentiles, that it was said that um, Gentiles, the Jews thought that the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. I mean, that's pretty extreme, right? I was like, whew, read that this week. That's pretty extreme. And then if a Jew married a Gentile, the funeral, the funeral of that Jew was carried out. So the hatred was deep and deep and entrenched. And into this long history and context, the person of Jesus comes for Jews and for Gentiles. Jesus declaring himself the Son of God, the only way to the Father, declaring that he's bringing the kingdom of God in a new way for all, for all. And Paul uses um, two pictures in this passage that would have been so vivid to the Jewish people about how hatred has gone and a new humanity has come. Verse 13 says this, those who are far off, that's the Gentiles, who are far off, couldn't be any further away from God, have been brought near. The Gentiles who could never be uh, welcomed or accepted or in the presence of God have been brought near. Now, when Jewish rabbis um, spoke about accepting new converts to Judaism, they used this phrase, you have been brought near to new converts to Judaism. So basically what Paul is saying is that the way in which the rabbis accepted the Jews when they became uh, believers is what he's saying to Gentiles. You have been brought near to God. I love that image, to be brought near. And I think in our day and age, isolation, abandonment, and loneliness is probably still amongst our greatest fears. I feel far away. I feel disconnected. I feel abandoned by God. And God today says, you have been brought near because of Christ. Secondly, um, the image is the dividing wall of hostility. It says in verse 14. Other translations call this the middle wall. And this isn't a sort of metaphorical imaginary wall. This is an actual wall that existed in the temple that kept the Gentiles who could never be welcomed out of the temple. They were, they were probably just welcomed in the equivalent of our little funny metal porch area, right? That we want to get rid of one day. <laughs> 
because it keeps getting smashed. Um, they, it was like the dividing wall of hostility was a wall that basically said the courts for the Gentiles is that little bit where you might just wipe your feet before you come into the rest of the building. And the rest of the temple is for the Jews, the true people of God. And Paul is saying the wall of hostility has been smashed. It's gone. Which means that the whole of the temple, the access to the, the power, the presence of God is for everyone. Again, think of that moment where Jesus, um, it says in the Gospels, died on the cross. And at that moment that he died, it says the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Which basically means it's no longer the priests and the holy people that can have access in the holy of holies of the temple. The presence of God is now for everyone. Before Christ, the barriers, the curtains, the wall was up. And after Christ, the barriers and the wall and the curtain were down. They were gone. So why do we celebrate? It's because we are united and not divided. What separates us all has gone. And before Christ, we are all equal. We're all in the same boat. And in him, we are all one. And tonight we gather from maybe different nations different ethnicities, different languages, different genders, different backgrounds, different political persuasions, but we are all one. In so many of the world's situations and contexts, we're uh, sort of defined by what we're against. We look at um, things like Brexit, where it said, are you this or that? And uh, we are often defined by what we're against rather than what we're for. But the church in our culture has a different message And it's to remember that we are united because we are in Christ. I don't know if you've ever um, been abroad and gone to a different church on a Sunday. I um, was... Uh, with thinking about this with my brothers the other day and um, we... Our parents used to take us when we were abroad to church on a Sunday. They were so sort of... um, I don't know, determined to take us to churches in different languages. So we went to a church in Germany once, didn't understand a thing, so don't speak German. But um, a church in France, church in Romania, and all sorts of places. Anyway, um, what was amazing about that is that even though I maybe just about picked up the word for Jesus and the word for God in that different language, I felt like, even though I was a foreigner in that church, I felt like I was with my brothers and sisters, worshipping the living God. That for me, I remember that as a child on holiday, not having a clue what was going on in terms of the language, but knowing that I was with fellow believers of Jesus Christ around the world. And it stuck with me, that sense of being a foreigner in a different land, but being a brother and sister in Christ. And if you are here and you're from another country and you feel like a foreigner in Bristol, but you are with us as a brother and sister in Christ, know that uh, you are welcome in this place. Know that you are welcome in this place. I just had to um, put in the passcode for my iPad, which is slightly awkward. It's my son's, which is even more difficult because I'm not sure if I know it. (laughs) Hang on. This is bad. Oh, dear. This is really bad. It's got downtime because his iPad goes off at 7 o'clock. It's seven o'clock. <laughs> I tell you what's even worse is that I'm using his iPad because he smashed my iPad on holiday and the screen's broken. 
This is really sad. Can someone pass me my phone? Josh, can you pass me my phone? <laughs> Just bear with me, please. I feel like it was going so well. Hang on. Just, just, just bear with me. What I can do, because I'm a responsible parent, is send a request for more screen time to the parent, which is me, and I've got the phone. So just give me, just give me 10 seconds, and <laughs> this is not what I expected on the first day back from the holiday, but it's quite funny. <laughs> Please just talk amongst yourselves, because I'm sort of, you know, nervously trying to do this. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, the bad news is the iPad is locked, but um, the, good, the good news is the talk's on my phone. So it's the same talk. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, big thanks to Will Driscoll, who's just airdropped me a Google link, uh, which says, uh, it's a Google search of how to unlock an iPad. <laughs> thank, thanks, Will. Um, I'll just decline that, ex that request. Don't airdrop me anything else, anybody. Um, okay. I felt like it was in a really serious point. Um, yes, what unites us <laughs> is the person of Jesus Christ. So my, my prayer is that even in uh, a church that may have, you may have seen division in church, you may have seen uh, disagreement in church, you may look at the church and think, it's divided, how could I be a part of it? Uh, know today, know tonight that unity is possible in Christ. We are united but diverse because we're different people. We are diverse but united. It's both, uh, both of those are reasons to celebrate. The second point is this. Um, we celebrate in the city on a Sunday because we are Christ-centered and not self-centered. We are Christ-centered and not self-centered. It says this, verse 20, we are to be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So often, I think we can be guilty of making church about us. We can just be thinking about what I like and what I dislike. I'll go to this church because I like this. I won't go to that church because I don't like that. Or I, I don't get this. I'm not sure about you, but uh, you might have heard those things. You might have uh, been guilty of those things yourself. I've been around church my whole life. And if I'm honest, I've had seasons in my life where I've sort of fallen out with church a little bit. I just say, oh, that didn't do it for me. And that song I didn't like. And, you know, you just get into the sort of, I didn't like this, I do like this sort of narrative. And we make it all about ourselves. 
there's a brilliant story that I hear of a, of a friend uh, of a friend of mine who overheard a conversation at church where two people were walking out of church and one was saying, oh, uh, uh, how was church for you? To be honest, I didn't really get anything from church tonight. I didn't really like the worship. I didn't really like that. I, didn't, I wasn't sure about the talk. Um, and sort of listed off all these things, sort of gripes with what was wrong with the service as they were leaving. And he was leaving with this sort of guy who apparently was a really gentle guy, quite a wise guy. And, and apparently this guy turned to uh, this person who just reeled off all these problems and just said, I didn't know it was about you. <laughs> which I thought was like, that's like proper sort of mic drop moment from this old guy, which I love that story because it just reminds us that it's not about us. So much in life of what we're told is to focus on yourself, do what's right for you. But when we gather on a Sunday here, we take the focus of ourselves And we put the focus on Jesus. There's the whole thing about church and egos as well. I spoke about that at the beginning. Um, We can elevate people, can't we, into sort of celebrity-like status. We can um, focus, sort of raise people into um, celebrity-like status. And we can build people up because of gifting, which might be uh, natural gifting or ability or charisma. And often, we, when we put people on platforms, it's a temptation to uh, misuse that platform. And we've seen that in uh, many different ways over the last few years and months. But when we gather, we celebrate that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about focusing our, our attention, our thoughts, our devotions, our worship to the person of Jesus to be humble, selfless, selfless, not self-centered, to be sacrificial in giving ourselves away to others, to the needs of others in the church and in the city. And Paul uses this image of Jesus as a cornerstone. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Um, Cornerstone is a song that we often sing. It's not just a song that Hillsong wrote, um, but it's mentioned in the Bible because Jesus is the cornerstone on which we build our lives. I don't know if you've ever built a house. I'm guessing maybe not. I haven't. Um, (laughs) But apparently the most important stone you would lay at the beginning, having put the foundations down, is the cornerstone. It's the stone in which all the other bricks, all the other stones are aligned to and then form uh, the measuring point and the, uh, all the dimensions that the building needs to um, conform to. And what Paul is saying here is that if you have the right cornerstone, that is Jesus, Jesus Christ-centered, all the other bricks in the building will be in the right place. Sometimes we think it's up to us to try and get all our um, bricks in a line and ducks in a row and think, okay, if I've got this and this and this, this and this, this, then I'll put, I'll put Jesus in maybe a bit later. But what we can often find is with Jesus uh, as the last brick or a brick down the line, instead of the cornerstone, our building uh, will crumble. So when we gather, we celebrate because we are Christ-centered. And I love the next bit of this, which is in verse 21. It says, in him, the whole building is joined together to become a holy temple in the Lord. And what's powerful about this is you think about how bricks overlay and interlap um, in a building, that the bricks hold each other together. We, you, hold each other 
together in Christ because he is the cornerstone. We're built around him. We hold each other together and he ultimately holds us together. And I've been reflecting on this sense of being held over the summer. Many of you know that um, in my family, we've been through a really, really hard time over the last few months. My dad uh, sadly passed away in July. And after a six-month battle with cancer, we've, we've sort of had this whole uh, grapple with how do we build our lives on Jesus when this tragedy has happened in our family's life? How do we view our faith in this moment of tragedy and loss? And um, we have honestly felt like we've been held together by the bricks, that's the people in St. Nick's, the people of uh, God in this place have held us together through love, through prayer, through uh, meals on our doorsteps, through um, the smallest acts to even things like feeding our guinea pigs and rabbits. It's just like when we've gone away on holiday, ah, we need someone to keep the guinea pigs alive. And, and people have stepped up from our home group and done that. It's just been amazing to reach out and say, we need our church around us. We need our family around us to hold us together. And we have felt like we have been held. So I would encourage you, if you are going through a hard time, or when you do go through a hard time, reach out to your family, your church family, brothers and sisters. At Focus, we sang this song called um, uh, Firm Foundation. Christ is our firm foundation. And I was really challenged to think, do I believe that? Can I say that I'm on the rock of Jesus? that he's always there through the hard times, the firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. And I can say that I've been through this and struggled with it and grappled with it and say, yes, Christ is my firm foundation through the hardest times of my life. The church is made up of people like you and me who are broken, who are imperfect, who are sinful. And yes, it has its challenges. Yes, it might be divided. Yes, it might be uh, guilty of, of ego trips, but ultimately, it's a beautiful family. If it was just left up to us, though, if it was just people-led, it would fail. But Christ holds his church together in love. And as he does, we will rise to become a holy temple. This brings me just quickly on to my last point. Why do we celebrate? We celebrate because we are now, we are now the temple. We are now the temple. What does that mean? Well, the closing the verses of this um, passage essentially are saying to the Jews, Jesus has turned the temple inside out. It's not about who's in, who's out, who's important, who's excluded. It's saying you are now the temple. And the reason for this is because in the Old Testament, the temple was where the presence of God lived. Now, because of Jesus, the walls are broken, the curtain is torn. The presence of God is available to all. And where does the presence of God live? The presence of God lives not in the temple, but in our hearts. If we invite Jesus in, he says, I will come and make my home in you, in your hearts. Not to have to go to the temple and, uh, and do all the right things and the rituals. He, uh, the, 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 the law restricts. And Paul's saying, the law is done with. You have no more ritual and practice. Jesus lives in your heart. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, God now lives in you. And again, that whole critique about the church being obsessed with buildings and old stuff. I'd say no. The church is the people of God with the power of the Holy Spirit living in their hearts, 
gathering to celebrate on a Sunday, but then scattered Monday to Saturday in different communities, in different workplaces, but going with the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives and in their hearts. I came across a brilliant um, lyric from a Maverick City song this week. Um, it was, it, weirdly, it was on as I was writing this talk, which I thought was a, a brilliant moment where God was just saying, that's a little lyric, here's a little song that you didn't know about. Um, and it's this, the, the, the lyric is, it's not a building you want to fill, it's my heart. I was like, yes. It's, this empty space is what you wanted all along. I was like, yes. It's the, God wants to fill our hearts, not fill just fill buildings. Of course, we gather to be here, but God wants the empty space of our hearts to fill with, with his presence. Finally, just a really quick thing on um, the city. We have this strapline, in the city, for the city. And there is something really significant about us being here in the city. I think this building here is no accident that we're here. We're here to make an impact in the middle of Bristol, to say we are a worshipping community who believes in a risen Jesus, who believes in the power of the resurrection to bring life and hope to everyone. And there's a guy called Rodney Stark who writes as a sort of sociologist and a historian and theologian. And he talked about how churches were planted around the cities of the Mediterranean, influential cities, to have an impact because of places like Ephesus, which was a port and a gathering place. He would probably say the same thing about Bristol. It says this, uh, To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachment and community. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of, of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. And then he goes on to say, the rise of the church in the first centuries quickly showed its capacity for meeting these chronic problems, and it played a major role in its ultimate triumph. For what Christians brought was not simply an urban movement, but a new culture. I love that. The sense that Christianity changed the culture in which it was in. And my prayer, our prayer at St. Nick's, is that we would be people who are culture shapers, culture bringers and culture shapers wherever we are placed. So we are celebrated, we celebrate in the city each Sunday because we are united, not divided, because we are Christ-centered, not self-centered. And we celebrate because we are now the temple. We have God, God's spirit living in us. We gather to be scattered. So friends, apologies for the iPad blip in the middle, but the church is a gift to us. It's a beautiful gift to us from God. It's a unique institution. There is nothing else like the church that gathers worldwide. My encouragement to us is to not take it for granted, to celebrate its beauty, its power, its potential, to work with the foibles and all the uh, criticism and, and, and the negative experiences you might have. Bring them to God and say, God, I want to recapture that, uh, that image, that vision that you have for the church to be united amongst its diversity. And as we do that, we will see amazing things happen in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, guys, why don't we stand? So we're going to pray and we're going to get the worship team up.
And we've got a chance tonight just to respond and, and bring ourselves before God. And I think what I'd love to do um, as we respond tonight is ask God by his Holy Spirit to um, do two things, I think. The first thing I'd love us to do is ask God for maybe some healing, actually. I had a real sense that as we... Uh, think about the church. For many people here, and certainly this morning, there's, there's been past hurt, maybe some trauma, maybe some disagreements that you've experienced. And I felt like God just wanted to um, firstly remind you that you were invited, because I think some people have felt excluded and shut out. They might have felt like a Gentile, totally on the end of hatred and... and um, yeah, really, really difficult stuff. And I felt like God was saying, I want to pour out some healing on some of those experiences. Maybe you've been, felt like you've been burnt out, overused as a volunteer. And if that's you here in this church, I can really apologize. I want to apologize if that's you here. And, and I feel like God just wanted us to be real before him and just say, God, you know my struggles with what I've been through. And God wants to, in return, pour out his healing on us. So I'd encourage you just to, just to be real before God. Maybe close your eyes in this moment. I'm going to pray. And you know what it is that you want to ask God or bring before God. So Father, tonight we, we bring ourselves before you honestly. Jesus, we thank you for the, the gift of the church in all its brokenness and difficulties God we we want to recognize that the church of Christ is the bride of Christ which you love Jesus you love the church you love those who are a part of church you love those who struggle with church you love those who have maybe drifted away from church and Holy Spirit tonight we ask we humbly ask that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit, 